there's so many great announcements. So let me get back to the leadership, and this, this is an example. In the future of this church, I'm looking toward the future. How many say I'm looking toward the future? Praise God. And so I, in doing so, I've contacted the board and our pastors. I want to make an announcement this morning that has uh, thrilled everyone so far, and I hope it certainly does you. Natalie, come up here with me. If you haven't met my daughter, this is Natalie Conley Snyder, the perfect child. And if you don't believe that, <laughs> she put that on my phone, and when her brother heard it, it was not good. I'm just going to tell you. The next time Ruth opened up her um, computer, it was just pictures of my son Nate on there. But uh, Natalie is on staff and leading us in senior associate pastor, but there's a new position that we've just created, and uh, it's, a, uh, it's a tutelage, and he's, he's learning, and he's doing a great job, and he's grown. And I have created a, a position that's very common in the church called executive pastor that's right underneath me. And I want to introduce to you today your new executive pastor, Pastor Beniah Snyder. You have to have a legacy. You have to have someone to go on. And I, now I'm not going anywhere. I haven't. And he hasn't fired me because I'm still his boss. But I'm so glad God brings a legacy to us. Amen? So you can't preach, but you can say something. Your, your first words as executive pastor to this church. I'm thankful to be able to serve. Yes, amen. This is, a, this, is, this is an opportunity for all of us. This isn't just one position. We are a corporate body. And God has called us together for such a time as this. He's called this church together to establish the kingdom of God in Branson, Missouri. And so as we go into this new season, I pray that we're all able to seek the Lord with all understanding, that we're able to serve him in all diligence, and we're able to seek him in all truth. So this is, this is something that, you know, that it, whenever a pastor asked me, I said, I just want to serve. I just want to serve people and not only serve this church, but this community. And so I'm thankful for the opportunity to do that. And all of you, because we are one body. Amen. 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 Um, I had a, this weekend, Ruth was real involved with alumni at Evangel. It was homecoming at Evangel University. And I was speaking to the president, Mike Rakes, who used to be the youth pastor when I was pastoring in Central for us. And now he's the president of Evangel. And I just said, now, you know, one of your students, a senior, has been on the honor roll the entire time is my son-in-law. And he said, that wouldn't help you one bit. So I just went, but I'm bragging on, on Pastor Benai. He's been on the honor roll. He's been invited in his senior year now of theology to enter that master's degree program. And so uh, he's studying to show himself approved. Amen? Amen. So one more time, our executive pastors right there. Okay. You want to say anything? I knew the answer to that. How about Mama Ruth? Do you want to say anything? I knew the answer to that too. She's more of, of this than I am because I can't do it without her. We can go now. 
you sung, you worshiped Jesus with me. Now will you preach with us? How about you over here? Will you preach with us? You worshiped with us. Will you preach with us now? Somebody say amen. And online as well. It's uh, hurry up and get a seat, kids. All right. I, it's a joy, and I mean this. This isn't a, a cliche. It's a joy to have a friend of mine here tonight, today, from near St. Louis in that area, the Harvest Christian Center. Um, Sister Tammy's at home with that little. I, I, you couldn't pry me away from Easton to be here. She'll be back sometime, and I know, but we have the great pastor of that church and the grandfather of Easton, Pastor Dwight Jones, and we have a lot of similarities and a lot of family that we dealt with. He is a son of Marvin Gorman as well as uh, Hunter and Mark and myself and others that are here and daughters. Um, and, and Tim Hill preaches at his church too. And I got a great recommendation there, but I've got to know him. And I'm so thankful to the Lord for a man of God like this. And I want you to stand to your feet with me. And I want you to stretch your hands. And I'm going to give him the mic. And when I, as soon as I give him the mic, he'd cut me off because he's on. And then you can welcome him. Stretch your hands right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, pour out of this horn of oil that you've brought to us. And this is by your ordained time. I know it is. Prescribed for this church through this man of God. In the name of Jesus, I plead your blood. And praise you for the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Amen. Now join me in welcoming Pastor Dwight Jones from Harvest Christian Center. Amen. Well, isn't God good? Sound man, you are my new best friend. Thank you. I want to say thank you on behalf of Easton for your prayers for my baby. I have 10 grandchildren, and uh, all of them are the best. But Easton's named after me. He is Easton Dwight Collins. And uh, when he was born, God put a, an anointing on him, and hell put a target on him. But I'm glad God's anointing cancels out hell's targets. Can I get an amen? Come on. And I don't know about you, but I know one thing this morning. There's a God in the house. And the God in the house is bigger than any mountain you're facing, any trial you're going through, any battle you're walking with. Come on, can I get a witness in the house? Y'all can just be Pentecostal with me this morning because I didn't come to play games. My cry has been, oh God, shake the house. We need an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival in the house. Come on, that's what we need. We don't need playing. We don't need playing. It is an honor today to be with you. Dr. Sam Conley is quickly becoming one of my dear, dear friends. He has been a prayer partner over the last several weeks as we walk through this difficult time. And uh, I only met he and Sister Ruth across the room one time, and something clicked. And I called Pastor Don, and I said, you got to make a connection. i got to meet this guy. And what an honor it is to be in his house, your house, to worship God together today. How many have been walking through some valleys? Slip your hand up real high. Come on, only on this side. All the rest of y'all got it perfect over here. How many on this side have been, you've been facing some mountains? What a mighty God we serve. Let's take a moment, lift our voices to the Lord and worship Him. Come on. You've been praising all morning. Come on, just worship Him. 
Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. Lord, I've learned to trust in God. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. Come on, I want you to help me sing it right now. Say through it all. Come on, let me hear you. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Oh, through it all. Shout through it all. I've learned to depend upon Somebody right now, you walk through some fiery trials. Lift your hands and get on your feet and say, God, I've learned to trust. few weeks I've felt so all alone but it was in those lonely hours oh those precious lonely hours he let me know <laughs> that I was never never alone oh through it all sing it out now through it all I've learned to trust. Come on now. I've learned to trust in God. Every storm you brought me through. For if I'd never, never had a problem, I'd never known my God could solve them. I'd never known what faith in God can do. <laughs> Cause if I'd never had a problem, Lord, I'd never known my God could solve them. But now I know what faith in God can do. Everyone say through it all. Let me hear you. I've learned. Yes, I have. Come on, somebody praise him like you just walked out of the fiery trial. Come on, praise him like you just came out of the lion's den. Somebody praise him because you didn't get killed in the middle of that trial. The devil didn't stop you when he tried to stop you. 
Hell couldn't put in period where God just put a comma. You're coming out. Come on, somebody. Lift your hands and praise Him right now. Yes, Somebody lift your hands and say it again. I have learned to Come on and give him a shout of praise in this sanctuary today. Give the Lord a mighty praise. Thank you, guys. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, ain't my God good. Hallelujah. It is good to be in the house. You can be seated. I'll only keep you for about an hour and a half. And... Uh, <laughs> Three of you think I'm kidding, the rest probably are afraid I'm serious. I have a word from heaven today, and it is an honor, and I want to say that on behalf of my wife, my family, thank you for being prayer partners with us and with people all around the world in praying for East and a good friend of mine, uh, Tony Suarez, some of y'all know uh, Brother Tony Suarez, tremendous man of God has made sure that the word of Easton got around the world. And we've had contacts from Argentina and about everywhere you can imagine. Guam and, and all over Europe, all over, all over the world. God is so good. Amen? Grab your Bibles today. Join me in the book of Luke. I want to go quickly into the word of God. The word of God is quick, but I am not. <laughs> Y'all with me? Luke chapter 24. I want to preach an entire book today if I can. Uh, speaking of book, this is not what I'm preaching, but I do want to make you aware of it. On the back table back there is a, a book that I wrote in 2015. God awakened me with a word in the middle of the night, a strong, strong word. As Judas betrayed Christ, America will betray Israel. And uh, the book is called The Judas Factor. It is a prophetic book. As a matter of fact, the day we signed the contract with Charisma uh, for the book was the day that Barack Obama signed the nuclear arms deal with Iran. Uh, no coincidences, can I get an amen? So uh, we are, and, and, and this facade that's going on right now, you gotta understand, this is not the end, and, and this stand that we've taken for Israel, I'm afraid, is a facade. Uh, we have pushed them back and held them back from doing their ground campaign because we want to make sure that uh, we don't look bad in the world. But friend, America already looks bad. What we need is God to turn this thing around. Can I get an amen? There's still an answer, and the answer is not the United States Congress. They don't even know who's leading them. There's still an answer, and the answer is not in the White House. They don't know who's leading them. The answer is in God's house. It's God's people who are called by his name and who know how to humble themselves and pray and seek his face. So um, I won't deal a lot about that, but I do want to say that we have yet to see the fulfillment of that, of that word God gave me. Although a lot of it is played out and is still playing out, the reality is our days of standing with Israel, I'm afraid, are not going to be long. And the minute we turn our back on them, God will judge. God will judge. I asked the Lord a number of years ago, Dr. Connolly, why would God judge a nation? And he said, when the attack is upon the innocent, I have no recourse but to, to destroy the nation. The innocent being more than 60 million babies who have been aborted. The issue being... A move that is on, and the older I get, the more this concerns me, and that is euthanasia. 
to wipe out a generation of senior adults who are no longer a benefit to society. Those are not my words. Those are the words of the cultural warfare that is going on in America today. But I'm glad to tell you, as long as one grain of salt is alive and well, the nation has hope. Can I get a witness in the house? What do we need in America? We need a move of God. Come on, tell your neighbor today, we need a move of God. And I'm so honored to be a part of kicking this thing off. I believe revival is about to explode in this house. And uh, y'all, come on, I believe it. Amen. Luke chapter 24, would you stand together for the reading of the word today? One verse of scripture, and then I'll let you sit back down. And uh, let's get it. Let's get what God's got to say to us today. Amen. Luke 24, verse 49. Jesus is speaking his final words. These are the words that ring out in the book of Acts chapter 1. It is, is the final statement that Jesus makes to his disciples. He said, listen, you're about to go into a world that is absolutely crazy. Everything in your world is about to become chaotic. You're going to fight devils you never fought before. And I'm going to tell you something we learned in our church. You're going to learn it here. And I know you have learned it. Where there are new levels, there are new devils. And if you're going to move in the kingdom of God, you know, Stephen Hill used to say it this way, never declare war on the devil and, and pray for peace. Y'all with me? So you're going to have battles. Everybody shout amen. What do we need to make it through it? Luke chapter 24, verse 49. If you're there, shout all right. And behold, I send, you, send the promise of my Father upon you. And if you don't want it, it's no big deal. You can go to a church where they don't preach it. <laughs> Sorry, that was a non-inspired version. I must have been drifting in there. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until, God give us some until saints. Come on, may God give us some until saints. May God raise up a generation of until saints. Can I get an amen? Tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with the power from on high. Father, today anoint this sanctuary as you have never anointed it before. God, not only the house that we are gathered in, but the house that we are, the body of Christ. I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Give us a heart of humility, integrity, and honor to the King of glory. I pray that you would help me to preach, God, as, a, as, 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 as an end-time word, mouthpiece of heaven. Lord, I realize and recognize the seriousness of the moment. I know, God, that this is the final moments of time, and you are preparing a body and a bride, Lord, that is going to be spotless without any, any, any blemish. And, Lord, I want to be a part of that nation, that kingdom, that, that generation that knows their God. I pray today that you would help me to declare, thus saith the Lord, minister in this house, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying. For Christ's sake, we pray. And the church said amen and amen. You may be seated if you'd like today. As I preach this morning, I just want to tell you from the background that I come from, that while I was raised as a kid, about six years old, my mama got out of church. I was raised in the old time Holy Ghost Church. Anybody remember those days? I remember the days when mama used to, and I, again, until I was about six years old, my mama would take us to church and she would slide us underneath the pews. I'm the youngest of, of eight kids, seven boys, and uh, with seven, I'm the seventh son and I was born seven minutes, seven seconds before my mom's birthday. That means absolutely nothing but it just is a matter of fact. So anyway, mom would slide us underneath the pews so we didn't get stepped on. Can I get anybody, anybody remember that kind of church? Come on. Where everybody just, you'd see bobby pins flying around. There were just flying everywhere. People start shouting. You never saw beehives back in those days. Nothing but beehives. Every time you went to church. And what you never noticed, and I never dawned on me till just this morning while the kids were up here, you didn't see kids' services back then. 
You never saw kids. And then it dawned on me why. Because mama had her hairdo up like this and three or four kids tucked up inside of the Aquanet files. Can I get an amen? And mama would take us to church and I was raised in that till I was about six years old and then, then all hell broke loose. And our, our family, I mean, it went downhill fast. We, got, we left church one day. My, my, my brothers had hair touching their collars. They were hippies. as 1972. And uh, my brothers were walking out the door and the preacher who was my uncle said, don't you boys ever come back in this church are looking like a bunch of hippies and we didn't and from that moment forward our generation man our church our, our, our family went we went crazy all of my brothers got hooked on drugs and my mom and dad were hardcore alcoholics it was a world that you could not imagine if I told you the shooting shootouts with our neighbors you'd not believe me and if I told you about the man getting shot in our front yard you wouldn't believe me but if I told you this there's a God that can turn everything around I know that you would believe me on that can I get an amen and in the middle of all of that in that chaotic time of my life I learned one thing God you've got to set up a movement of God because if we're going to turn this generation around like you turn my generation around it's not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts we're tired I'm, I'm burnt out with all this religious jargon and I'm tired of the assemblies of God trying to keep up with the Methodists Come on, can I get an amen? I'm tired of the religious aspect of what the church of the living God has become. And that's why I've got good friends like Brother Conley and Brother Tim Hill and many, many others, Tommy Bates and others that are all beating with the same heartbeat. Oh God, would you shake our nation one more time? I'm telling you today, what we need to turn the tide is an old-fashioned revival like God can send that the world cannot create. We've tried to formulate a religious message that will cause people to like us. We've spoken Spoken soft words, soft pedal gospels. We've got flowery tongue preachers standing behind pulpits with absolutely nothing to say. But there is a God in heaven who's about to ring the bells of glory one more time. Can I get an amen? Oh, thou burning, cleansing flame, send the fire. I'm asking God right now to step down in this sanctuary and set a burning blaze in your seat, in your chair, until everybody around you knows there is a man on fire. In the house and you're the one. Can I get an amen? Is there anybody here right now that wants to see revival? Shout yes. Well, well, I'm telling you we need a move of God. I'm tired of religion. Can I get a witness? Can I just come down here before getting my message today? I'm tired of the religious noise that is filling the pulpits of America. I'm tired of preachers trying to win contests and see how many likes they can get for their sermonette. I didn't come with a sermonette. I come with a word from God. We need revival. Oh, God, give us Pentecost. And I want to ask you the question today, where are the Pentecostals? Now, in my church, Pastor Sam, there are six or 700 people there in any given service. But I can tell you, when I ask them, how many of y'all were raised Pentecostal, Assembly of God, whatever it is, there's only about 20% of the people that raise their hand. I say, how many got the Holy Ghost? And about every hand in the building goes up. Why? Because this is not a denominational move. This is a revival sent from God. And if we're going to turn our nation around. It's going to take an old-fashioned revival. It's going to take a move of God where men and women have one desire, and that is Christ, and Christ alone. Give God a shout of praise. Where are the Pentecostals? Where are the Pentecostals? 
I'm not talking about those who wear their sleeves down to their wrist and, and their dresses down to their ankle and have their hair done a certain way and they don't wear makeup. I'm not talking about a denomination out of Louisiana. I'm not talking about the church of God or the assemblies of God. I'm talking about the men and women of God that have a fire burning in their soul that they cannot shut off when service is over. But everywhere they go, they walk in the fire of the Holy Ghost. Is there anybody here right now that is saying, oh God, set me on fire. Set me on fire. Whoa. Pardon me, my Holy Ghost is showing. Ha. Where are the Pentecostals? I'm so honored today to see what God is doing in your life. And I'm going to tell you something, my brother. God is raising up some Pentecostal powerhouses. Can I get a witness in the house? Yeah. In Acts chapter 1, here's what the Bible says. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. We've gotten out of the waiting times. We don't want to wait anymore. We want it right now. God, give us a move of God right now. Give us revival right now. But there's some of us that got to die. There's some parts of us that have got to die. There's some old flesh that's got to be burned off. God will not send revival in the middle of a chaotic, watered-down gospel. He wants old-fashioned holiness. He wants revival. He wants power in your life. Sometimes you got to tarry to die. I'm telling you, the life of God will be revealed when the death of you is revealed. You'll never see a move of God as long as your flesh is trying to fight God. You'll tell God, we don't do it that way. God will ask them, I'll tell you, in the last 47 years of preaching, one thing I know, God never asked my opinion how I think he's going to move what I think he should do. He just says, if you want to be a part of it, jump on, brother, because we're going on a ride. Woo! Where are the Pentecostals? Where are those who will wait before God? Where are those that will say, I know it's 1117. I know, I know it's getting close to noon, but I don't care. I need a move of God. Where are the Pentecostals? In Acts chapter 2, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. I love it. I know it's old-fashioned. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all of the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. And they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost with the whole. Is there anybody here right now that still believes in Holy Ghost? fire. Do you still believe there's power in heaven to change the world? Shout yes. Oh. Whoa. Look at your neighbor and say, whoa. Uh, some of y'all trying to figure out what is he? Where are the Pentecostals? Where are the waiters? Where are those that will wait on God? And I know that's old-fashioned. That is so old-fashioned, Pastor Sam, to just wait on God. But sometimes you just got to wait because he said, in a few days hence, the Holy Ghost is going to come. Not on your time, not on your schedule. I just felt the Holy Ghost step in to tell you because we are running out of time, he's about to expedite a move of God for this generation. I just feel like shouting right now, what we've been praying for, what we've been waiting on is coming down the pike. Somebody shout yes. Lift your hands and say send it, Lord. Send it, Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 Shout yes.
Glory to God. Acts chapter 3. The lame man was laying at a beautiful gate. Asking for alms. And God gave him legs. Three of you got that? Used to living this way. Learn to live this way. The only place I get is where somebody carries me. There's somebody here right now that you've been led around by everybody, drug around by everybody, positioned by everybody, but it's your day to get up off the gate and get out of the door and get to the house of worship. Can I get an amen? Hell's tried to position you outside, but God's calling you inside. Where are the Pentecostals that are ready to step in to the holy place? Acts chapter 4, I'm hurrying. Oh, I don't like to, but I is. When they prayed, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, the place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost all over again. I'm sorry. I've not yet proved that. I did just get it out of the cleaner, so I probably ought to treat it well. He did it all over again. He did it all over again. People ask me, Pastor, do you believe that God's going to pour out another Pentecost? Is God going to pour out another Azusa Street? Is God going to do what he did back in in Wales in the Wales Revival? No, friend. What God's got up his sleeve is going to dwarf every move of God that has ever happened. Why? Because if ever a generation needed to see God roll up his sleeves, this generation needs it. All over again. Acts chapter 4, I love it because it's the all over again chapter. Where are the Pentecostals that are satisfied with nothing less than a fresh dose of the Holy Ghost? Can I get it? Is there anybody here right now? I said, is there anybody here right now? I was preaching revival and there was this dear sister. It's 1 in the afternoon. I'm making you nervous now. And there's this dear sisters who is in the altar. And I mean the Holy Ghost was waylaying folks. And they were stacking up. And she was coming up for prayer. But the more I walked toward her, the further back she started walking. And she's doing this and I'm going after her. I got about from here to you. I stretched my hand out and she went whoop, all the way back to the back. She just kept trying to fight it. <laughs> I talked to her a little bit later. She had had a back issue. And when she went down, God healed her back. Sometimes we fight what we need the most. What we need is another move. Can I? Oh, do it again. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Do it again. We began a revival in our church in 1995. It's still going. Still going. Right now, they're having a move of God. Guarantee it. Happening right now. And it's when it started. We were in our lower building, seated about 300 folks, and there were about 300 people there that night. And oh, oh it was good. God just began to shake the house, and I, I felt important. Then the book of accidents say truth is good for the soul. And that's chicken soup. That's wherever it's at. I don't know. <laughs> Sitting on the front 
up on the corner of the platform. The place was packed, and we were having a move of God. And I, I, I felt I got to go say something. I had a microphone in my hand. I started walking toward the platform. Pastor Sam was like, God, pick me up. Body slammed me right in front of God and everybody. All of my dignity shot out the window. I'm laying there on the floor, flopping like a fish out of water. I don't know how long I lay there. All I know is when I got up, something got in me. One of my, one of my, uh, one of my armor bearers said, let me help you up. He came over to help me up. And I said, if you, if you want to move with God, come on, we'll go pray for you. And I began to pray for them. And I'm telling you, God began to shake the house. There were over 300 there that day. And they were lined up all the way back into the bathrooms, slain in the Holy Ghost, all stacked on top of each other. Can I tell you right now, he'll do it all over again if we'll just make room. True story. I had one, a guy that had no idea who was with me holding me up, but we were literally pulling our legs up to step over bodies. They were laying everywhere you can imagine. There was no room. You were stepping between people trying to get through. The Holy Ghost power was so heavy. The weightiness of God was so heavy. Oh, I'm hungry. Pastor Sam, I'm hungry. I didn't come here to preach. I came here to participate in the move of God. Oh! And we got to back to the sanctuary and the double doors like you have all here they were open and I was trying to get over bodies they were stacked three and four deep at the doorway and I remember lifting my leg and just as I put my right leg to the door I looked inside and I saw it and I stand there frozen and I say to the guy behind me who's trying to help me stand do you see it do you see it? Do you see it? I didn't know who he was, but I was fixing to get mad because he wouldn't answer me. Do you see it? When I looked in the sanctuary, just about where you're sitting right now, if you all lifted your hands, about the tip of your fingers was a blue hue, a haze of glory. Three weeks went by. I never knew who was walking me. Never knew who the armor bearer was who was helping me. But all I remember was my Methodist deacon, now a deacon, then a Methodist, who came to me and he said, Pastor, you don't know who I was the other day. But remember three weeks ago when you kept asking me, do you see it? He said, I tried to answer you, but every time I'd open my mouth, it would take my breath away. What am I telling you today? God, take our breath away. God, do it again. God, do it again. Oh, thou burning, cleansing flame, send the fire. Where are the Pentecostals? Where are the tongue-talking prayer warriors who know how to get in the closet and they don't come out until hell's squirming? Ananias and Sapphira were slain by God because they came to church late. There may have been other problems. I'm just saying that was one of them. I didn't see when you came in, so don't get under conviction yet. But you know the story. They were slain because they lied to the Holy Ghost. Don't mess with the Holy Ghost. He's not a toy. 
Come on, somebody. He's not an it either. He is the third person of the triune Godhead. You can offend him. You can grieve him. You can make him angry. You can hurt him. But I'm going to tell you something. You can also make a place where he comes and sets up camp. Anybody here want to make that place at this sanctuary today? Shout amen. The Bible says after they were slain for land, the Holy Ghost revival broke out. Anybody here volunteer to help us get revival going? Oh, we need a few dead folks. I'm kidding. Look at your neighbor and say, he's kidding, don't worry. But what happened when, when they died? Fear fell on all men. I'm in Acts chapter 5. I've only got 23 chapters left to go. You ought to be shouting right now. Because when the fear of God got on them, God got in them. And when God got in them, the church got outside of the four walls and began to go to their cities and take the gospel everywhere they went. That's why the Bible says, there came also a multitude out of the cities round about them, bringing all the sick folk and them that were vexed with unclean spirits, and every single one of them were healed. Can I get somebody that'll say, God, where are the Pentecostals? Make us that group. Oh, Acts chapter 6, the church had a fight. Most people don't realize that. If it hadn't been for a church split, there'd never been deacons. It's a true story. One group over here. We're not getting served. They're getting served. We're not getting served. God said raise up seven men full of the Holy Ghost and fire full of wisdom, and let them wait on tables so that you can give yourself to the ministry of the gospel. Did I lose you? You say conflict in church has destroyed the church. I'm going to tell you what it will do to the church. I know because I've been there, done that. I've been pastoring where I'm at for 35 years. And I can tell you we've had many fears. We've had many trials. We've had some wars and rumors of wars. But what we've got in our church today is the sweetest unity you've ever seen in your life. Why? Because we know the value of that which hell tried to steal, kill, and destroy. If I know anything about Pentecostal folks, they know how to get offended. The Southern Gospel song says, I don't want to get adjusted to this world, to this world. I got a home. Now, we changed that from, I just want to get offended. I had a pastor got upset because somebody unfriended him on social media. Huh. And then they send you those emojis. If an emoji offends you, you're already backslidden. shot Pentecostal folks can I preach to you for a minute 
When God does what God's about to do at this church, I'm going to tell you what's coming. They're coming in in so many ways, shapes, and forms. You won't know what to do with them. You'll see. I'm telling you, every single service in our church, eight new families last Sunday walked in the doors of our church. They're driving from St. Louis, Missouri, which is an hour north. They're driving from an hour south or east and west. Why are they coming? Because there is a move of God that is happening, and it doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, black, or white, yellow, green, or purple. We're in this thing together. Don't get a Pray it through, live it out, and serve God. Where are the Pentecostals? I only lost three of you. Acts chapter 9, Saul, the persecutor, is on his way to attack the body of Christ. But God... Well, 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 I just felt the Holy Ghost say it, say it again. But God... Now, I'm going to tell you something. The devil knows who your enemy is. The devil knows what you're up against. The devil knows what you're fighting. And I got a new word for you that is an old-time Holy Ghost message. But God, God is not going to be outdone. I know America's in trouble. I see it. You see it. You can't turn the television on. I'm telling you, right now, you better get your eyes on the gospel. You better get out of the book of faces and in the word of God. You better understand that the Bible is your all-sufficient rule for faith in practice. You better know in whom you have believed and get persuaded that he is able. I'm worried about things. Do you know what Jesus said about what's going on in the world today? Fear not. Saul's coming to attack the church, but God said, I gotta I set up a trap. I stirred up revival in Damascus. And I'm leading the perpetrator of evil on my road. I'm bringing him into an ambush. Ah, I feel like shouting right now. Can I tell you, your child may look like they've just flipped all the way over the edge and they're out there in la-la land and you'll never get them back. But the devil is a liar. They're under the hand of God and they may be a million miles from you, but they're within the reach of your heavenly father. Can I get a shout? Where are the Pentecostals that know how to pray families in? Oh, Saul's on his way. (laughs) Jesus says, I got him. Saul's riding down the crooked road to Damascus when suddenly he finds himself on a street called Straight. Why? Because God can straighten out your crookedness. Can I get a witness? Oh, still with me? Shout yes. What we need is God to step in America. Oh, come on, somebody. We can't, listen, we're in a mess. We are in a mess. I'm not going to stand here and lie to you and tell you everything is sweet and this is how to live your best life now and everything's going to come up rosy. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to fight devils. You're going to go through everything you have to go through. But God says, I am preparing a spotless bride full of righteousness. Can I just tell you right now, God knows how to cut off your loved ones on their way to their destruction. Saul's on the crooked road. Jesus says, what in the world do you think you're doing? He says, who are you? He said, I'm, 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 <laughs> I didn't come to take sides. I come to take over. 
Next thing you know, Saul's preaching the gospel. Why? Because there's got to be in Acts chapter 9 in the church of the living God. There's got to be a place where pastors, preachers, teachers, and leaders get on their face and can't see nothing but him. Can I get an amen? There's got to be a place where there's a divine encounter. May it be this morning at Sanctuary in Princeton. May God meet you in a divine encounter. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. i got to hurry. Lord, I don't like hurrying. Normally I don't. I just say that word because it makes people think I'm trying. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is a Gentile. Look at your neighbor and say, this is where we come in. I preached a couple of months ago on the Italian revival. Because Cornelius just got done eating some pizza. He was from Italy. He was Italian. Called his servants in, he says, See, go find Simon Peter. You know what's good for you. But when God speaks to Cornelius, God is simultaneously speaking to Peter. Peter said, I ain't never ate nothing that wasn't holy and kosher. God says, Don't you dare call unclean what I'm about to clean up. I started to say it a minute ago. I'm going to say it right now. I want you to get your eyes in your moment, just this moment right now. I want you to fix your eyes on the wildest loved one you got. I mean, the one they got them, they're in such bad shape they had to pin their eyebrows on. You know what I'm t- I saw a girl. I, I'm just crazy, but I saw a girl at, at Walmart and she had a big old eyebrow pin, a safety pin through her eyebrow. And I, I said, I'm sorry. What happened? And the crazy thing is she looked at me like I was crazy. It it must have been horrible. They had to pin your eyebrow back on. But can I tell you, when God shows up, he doesn't, listen, you need to understand, you catch him, he'll clean him. Can I get an amen? Let's just get him in the house. And when revival breaks out, it's going to bring in everybody, crazy folks, wild folks. Some of y'all said, I like a clean stall. The Bible says where the stalls are clean, there is no power. Where are the Pentecostals that remember it's his house? And listen, if I got to drag my old drunken brother in and get him to the altar, God will clean him up. Can I get an amen? You don't believe it? I watched my brothers. I watched my brother stagger in the building. He is as drunk as a skunk. I mean, he was, he wasn't teetoting, he was out of it. When he had breathed out, everybody in the building would stagger. But I watched him. I watched him kneel at the altar. Thank God for Holy Ghost prayer places. Can I get an amen? And he knelt down at that altar and about 10 minutes in the Holy Ghost and he got up sober. My dad, my dad, my dad. I got to tell you about my dad because he was a hardcore whiskey alcoholic, mean as a junkyard dog. When he'd get whiskey drunk, he's blind. But when he'd get whiskey drunk, he would have knife fights with people at the bar. 
blind. There's a word for that in the Greek. It's called stupid. <laughs> Probably not the correct pronunciation, but that's close. <laughs> Pocket knife like this. Hit him out there. I don't know where you are, but I don't cut you. driving dad looking for mom one night they'd been separated my mom was drunk and living out with with some heathen and and my dad said go help me find your mom I'm gonna bring her home well he was drunk so I'm driving my drunk dad and we're going over the road I got a captive audience so I started preaching to him man he started cussing me oh lord he called me names I didn't know her names and finally he said don't ever talk to me about your Jesus. My name is Jim Jones and not that one. My name is Jim Jones and I will never bow the knee to your God. Everything inside of me wanted to shout. Because I know a God who loves a challenge. Come on. I know a God who said, all right, all right, all right. You declare war, Jones boy. I'm about to go after you. And suddenly things got worse and worse and worse and worse. And in 1988, I went to try out for the church I'm pastoring at right now. And you know what happened on that Sunday night? My mom and dad got together and came to church that night. And guess what God did? My blind daddy sitting on the back, back seat on this far side, knelt down at the back seat and gave his life to God. And those blind eyes were shedding tears. Don't tell me he can't do it. You know that my dad was a honky tonker, cut records back in the 1950s and 60s, traveled all over doing country music. First time I ever sang was in a honky tonk. When I was 11 years old, I sang, Today I Started Loving You Again. I didn't know who you was, and I didn't know what love was. Hello? But, but dad, when he died, you know what dad went out of this world singing? My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Nor pain nor death can enter there. I feel like traveling on. Oh, I feel like traveling. And all at once, gone. What does that have to do with what you're preaching? Because you've got a loved one that seems so far from God. There's no hope. There's no way. Where are the Pentecostals that refuse to accept no as an answer and say you're coming in? I'm bringing you in. And when God gets you here, we're going to love you through. All you got on your mind is you'd like to beat the devil out of him. I hate to break it to you, but that doesn't work. You just pound him deeper. So God brought Peter to Cornelius' house and said, quit judging everybody and just start loving them, preaching the gospel to them. Look at your neighbor and say, he's 10 chapters in. Because in chapter 11, Barnabas brings Saul to Antioch. And there they had a one-year-long revival. 
Come on, somebody. We need a move of God. Can I get an amen? Don't tell me you don't know what I'm preaching about. Tim Hill's been here. Dr. Hill, he preaches nothing but what I'm telling you right now. We do not need another move of religious experience in the church. We need fire. We need fire. We need fire. I was called on to go preach a uh, national youth camp in the Czech Republic. And it was in a big tent in a big uh, ski lodge way up in the mountains. And they had a big tent set up, and it smelled like mold, looked like mold. But there was 240 teenagers there that wanted a move of God. And the Czech leadership said to me after Sunday night service, I started Monday through Friday. They came to me, and they said, we've never had this before. Would you do it for us? I'm trying to figure out what in the world it is. They said, would you give an altar call? They worship like crazy folks, but they won't give an altar call. Oh, don't high pressure anybody. Shut up. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And in my church, if you eke out lost, it's going to be over my body. Because I'll throw every roadblock I can in front of you to get out that door. Pentecostals, they have a tenacity that says we will not let our city go to hell. We will not let our nation go to hell. We will not let our family go. Where are the Pentecostals? True story, gave the altar call that night. And I preached on standing between God and Sodom. How Abraham dared get out of his tent and get between God and Sodom and say, if there's ten, will you save the city? And I gave the altar call that night, and 240 ran to the altars as fast as you've ever seen anybody run in your life. Why? Because this generation is desiring to see a challenge come out of the pulpits of America that calls us to a higher place. Can I get an amen? Come on. Acts chapter 12. Peter gets thrown into prison. <laughs> How many do not want that kind of revival? Can I tell you, right? It's coming. I said it's coming. I preach hard. We've got ISIS that trolls our webs, our face, our Facebook messages, our sermons, our, our website, ISIS in St. Louis, Missouri, who trolls our site. I've got an armed security guy who sets out on a parking lot deterring anything that comes in. I've got armed guys inside of the building. Are you scared? Brother, I ain't scared. You cannot threaten me with heaven. When we first put that out there, my mama was still like, mama just, she, every time she called me, she said, honey, <laughs> honey, nobody's trying to hurt you, are they? Mama was four foot 11, but she could yank the teeth out of the devil and beat him with them. No, mama, nobody's trying to hurt me. Then why you got other deputy out there and those police officers and those security? Because <laughs> I don't want to be hurt. Y'all with me? But I'm going to tell you, there is a hatred for the gospel message today. Not this watered-down, mamby-pamby, sugar-coated, cream-puff gospel that is being preached today. There's no hatred for that. You can rock somebody to sleep in the pits of hell in that kind of message. But there is a hatred for old-fashioned holiness preaching that says there's only one way to God. Oprah Winfrey, I beg to differ with you, sis, but there's only one way to God. You can't get there through Buddha. You can't get there through Muhammad. You can only go through the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, ha. You put men of God in prison, there'll be a prayer meeting, and there will be a divine release. 
let me stop right there and tell you, we will never see a divine release in the church of the living God until we get back to prayer. Where are the Pentecostals? Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas are chosen for the ministry to the Gentiles when they were hindered by a sorcerer named Elimus. They cursed him with blindness. They didn't bring him on staff. You'd be amazed the morons we're bringing on staff and not saying this here. In some of our churches. We got ministers. Well, I know he's dressing like a woman, but that's how he identifies himself. This will mess you up. So we need to bring somebody on our staff that identifies that way. What degree of idiot do you have? I just heard somebody, if he preaches like this in his church, ain't nobody comes. I do. I do. Because there's a famine in the land for truth. Come on, I said there's a famine in the land for truth. So don't be afraid to call out sin. Now that doesn't mean that I love that man who's dressed like a woman and doesn't know what he is. Dear God in heaven, a rooster knows he's a rooster. A chicken knows he's a chicken. But that guy don't know what he is. Pastor Sam, do you ever have him back? We're not coming. I heard that too. Listen, I know you preach truth, and I want to tell you something. We have ordained things that God will not touch. We have sanctified things that God will not sanctify. But God is saying, I'm about to do something that is going to revolutionize my church. When I get done with her, she's going to look like me, act like me, sound like me, love like me, preach. Where are the Pentecostals? Acts chapter 14, the Bible says, by the way, let me just back up for a moment. Thank you, Holy Ghost. There is so much witchcraft in the modern church, it would blow your mind. There are churches that have spiritual readings. I went by a booth yesterday at my hometown. They did a big fall festival. I went by a booth, and there's this guy there who is a witch. My wife says, he's in there doing tarot card readings. She said, you should go in there and read his future. <laughs> she never says anything out loud. She just says it in my ears. She's, she's quiet. She just sat there and worshiped God. I said, oh, I loved it. But we, we, we've got churches that are sanctioning the perverse and the wicked. Because we want to be inclusive. If you include everybody in a ship that's sinking, you're aiding and abetting their drowning. I want everybody. There's no lost person in my county that I don't want to be saved in my house. I've got to tell you something. But they're not going to get saved with a watered-down, sugar-coated message. they got to know there's truth, and truth is absolute. I'm so weary with people. Well, I just feel like, I just feel. You can't argue with people's feelings. A friend of mine 
Ken Graves, I don't know if you know anybody that knows Ken Graves, but a dear friend of mine went to Bible school together. We're roommates for a while, and he is an absolute crazy man. He lives in Bangor, Maine, pastors a great church there, leads some national movements. And anyway, he, uh, he got on a tirade about this. He said, I went to a, a coffee house, and I asked, what does this particular coffee like uh, taste like? And, and he said, I expected an answer, but I never got an answer. The person behind the desk said, well, I feel like it's kind of a blend between hazelnut and, oh, what's it taste like? It's not that difficult an answer. You're a child of God. Yeah, I said, you're a child of God. And I know that that seems blunt to everybody, but you're either saved or you're lost. Where are the Pentecostals that are not afraid to preach truth? Said a man at Lystra. He was impotent in his feet. Being a cripple from his mother's womb, never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, I'm in verse 9, who steadfastly beholding him, perceived that he had faith to be healed. He said with a loud voice, get up, boy. Southern Missouri language. Get up, boy. The Bible says he leaped to his feet and took off shouting. If you don't call them out, they'll never come in. Acts chapter 15, Paul and Silas come to town. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas go to jail. That's an effective ministry. Took them one entire chapter. Why do they go to jail? For preaching truth. But it was midnight. Everybody shout midnight. Do you know what time it is in America? It's midnight. <laughs> By the way, I got to tell you a testimony. I read just before I got here this morning that 550 of the missiles that they have shot out of Gaza toward Israel, 550 of them have absolutely been turned around and come down on their own people. 550. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, somebody. Paul and Silas in, in jail in the midnight hour. They've been beaten. They have been beaten. And we all know that they're financiers because they're in stocks and bonds. And they're shackled. And about midnight, they begin to worship. See, Pentecost is not a worship when it's midnight. Can I get an amen? That's why I'm confident there is a move of God that's about to come to this church, my church, and others that'll say, God, I know it's dark outside, but I feel some fire coming back to the house. Can I get an amen? And at midnight, they begin to praise. I heard an old old story, how my Savior, Paul says, that's a good song, Silas, you write that? He said, I heard it the other day at the Baptist church. <laughs> and suddenly, suddenly, worship begins to fill that place. Suddenly, Pentecost is not a worship. Can I get an amen? 
suddenly worship begins to fill the house. Everybody's feeling, but not everybody's participating. But they don't stop because everybody's not participating. They just keep worshiping. Suddenly God's up in heaven and says, wait, I hear something. God's up in heaven. He gets a rhythm going. Starts patting his foot. You say it didn't happen that way. You wasn't there. Normally when I refer to a Bible story, I always accuse my mother-in-law of verifying its truth because she was alive back then. (laughs) It's terrible to do to her. (laughs) Sorry, Nancy, if you're watching. Suddenly God begins to tap his foot and suddenly, somebody shout, God, we need it suddenly. Pentecostal reading suddenly. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Suddenly the place began to shake and the shackles fell off. Brother, you'll never come out of your prison until you know the power of worshiping in the darkness, in the trial, in the trouble. I'm closing. (laughs) It's a joke. You know what chapter it is. Chapter 17, ah, they go to the city where the unknown God is. There will never be a revelation of the true God until we step into the territory of the unknown. Wish I had an hour to preach that. Acts chapter 18, the Bible says the gospel was preached everywhere. And when the gospel of this kingdom shall go forth unto the ends of the earth, then shall the end be. Why do we need missions? Why do we need convoy? Why do we need the works of God? Because we're about to reach the world with the greatest message ever told. Can I get an amen? Amen. Acts chapter 19, I'm rushing. I once said I was rushing and people thought I was going to do one of those dances. I'm a white man and white men can't dance. This one can't. Paul gets... Messed up in a shipwreck, lands on a prison, on, a, on, a, on, a, on an island. He's a prisoner. But because they need everybody free, they let them all swim. And he gets to the island, and they're building a fire to dry off, but they're being treated kindly in this little island. And he says, Whoo. first of all, he got bit by a snake. First thing was he had to build his own fire. God help us have some Pentecostals and how to build a fire. Second thing was he had to deal with some snakes. You don't think you're going to deal with them in Branson, Missouri? They're all around you. They're just waiting for a chance to get in the doors. Snake latched on to him. Everybody said, he's a devil. He shook the snake off. He's going to die. A few minutes later, he's a god. It's just like pastoring. You go from being the devil to God and back again. All in a sermon. My Lord. He gets in there. He finds some disciples. I'm going to tell you something about Pentecostal folks. They're always looking for somebody that will preach with them. He finds some disciples and says, wow. 
received the Holy Ghost since you got saved. Why, we have never heard that there be such a thing. We <laughs> started to name a denomination, but I won't do that. He said, then what were you baptized in? We were baptized in the baptism of repentance, John's baptism. He said, you mean you got wet, but you didn't get filled and overflowing? You went all through the trouble of getting wet, but you didn't get baptized. Where are the Pentecostals that will stay underwater until there ain't nothing left of us? Amen. <laughs> they received the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Somebody shout, amen, do it again. Acts chapter 20. Paul preached all night. Some of y'all are worried that I am. Paul preached all night. A man falls out the window. Remember the story. God even gives us the name of the person who falls out the window. How cruel is that? Eutychus, you goober. He falls out the window. Somebody said, why in the world did he fall out that window? Because he was more out than in. Otherwise, he'd have fallen in. Look at your neighbor and say, where are you sitting? Acts chapter 21. God raises up a deacon by the name of Philip who's got four daughters who know how to prophesy. And revival breaks out everywhere they go. Somebody and Lord, where are the Pentecostals? Acts 22, Paul testifies of his salvation and his call to the Gentiles. Acts 23, Paul's taken captive for the gospel. Acts chapter 24, Paul uses the opportunity to preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 25, Paul's in bondage, but he just keeps on preaching. He's just like the whale said about Jonah. You can't keep a good man down. Where are the Pentecostals that won't shut up every time the devil tries to shut you up? I had a grandma, my grandma, the reason I'm saved today, because my grandma was a praying piece of machine. Lord, that woman could pray. She was four foot nine. She lied. The only sin I ever knew my grandmother commit. She lied and told people she was four foot eleven. I remember when I was two and I was as tall as her. It felt so good. I'm as tall as grandma. But boy, and she'd pray. She'd come to our house. We was all heathens. Everybody was heathens. I'm a heathen, you're a heathen. We're all heathens. Everybody's a heathen. Dad would be a drunk. People would be up playing country music all night long. We were trying to get sleep. It was crazy. And grandma would get up after everybody else went to sleep and start banging pots and pans, praying in the Holy Ghost. She couldn't cook. The worst cook I've ever eaten in my entire life was my grandma's cooking. She made an egg one time, and I, I felt spiritual, and I said, what meaneth this? <laughs> you, couldn't just, you couldn't figure out what it was. There was no, I mean, it was just a mess. But we prayed over and ate it. But grandma would come to the house, and she would start banging pots and pans. Every time she would come visit us, it was in the middle of, or at the end of a 40-day fast. And grandma walked the aisles. Oh, God. You'd hear her praying in the Holy Ghost. We're heathens. But grandma's getting pulled. 
Where are the Pentecostals? They know how to pray their kids. Yeah, listen, you, we just got to get them to a therapist. I mean, nothing against any therapist. I got a daughter who is a, 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 a psychology major, master degree in it, and, 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 and a couple other degrees. I don't know what they are. But the fact of the matter is, it is not going to change your child's life to ask him if he liked his mom or daddy. You want to know what's going to change this generation? Preach the truth. Be Pentecostal. Get full of the Holy Ghost and pray them in. Pray them in. Pray them in. I'm almost there. Somebody shout all right. Acts 26, Festus declares Paul insane. Sends him to King Agrippa, and King Agrippa says, man, I'm about to get saved myself. Acts 27, Paul's on a ship with 266 hungry sailors. They're all chucking all, everything overboard trying to stay afloat. And he says, I know you're trying to get out of this thing, trying to figure out how you're going to make it through this thing. But I was in the lower part of the ship last night. And there appeared unto me an angel of God. Hey, is there anybody here right now that's willing to get in the place where prayer and the place of fasting until God says, I know America looks bad. I know things look dark. But God said, I've got a church that is still on the throne, still moving with the king of glory. Upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We've been made to sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where are the Pentecostals? Acts 28. Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received everyone that came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. And nobody stopped him. Where are the Pentecostals? close. I was preaching a camp meeting in, in Hamilton, Alabama. Excuse me. Grenada, Mississippi. It was in a church not so much different than this one. It was, there was an atmosphere. You could just sense something is here. God is here. And then I started preaching. And all at once the Holy Ghost just went. And people started coming up. And absolute truth. People were stacked four and five deep all over the altar area. And I had this one guy, he was the armor bearer for the pastor, but he kept pushing me around, trying to steer me. The more he did, the more irritated I got. I was in the Holy Ghost and I was getting upset. <laughs> I thought, why didn't I do this sooner? I turned around and laid hands on him and went, pow! <laughs> you say, was any of that flesh? I promise you, I barely touched him, but God got a hold of him. He said, get your hand off of him. And I'm over here laying hands on folks in about this area. And the pastor's prayer leader came over to me across the bodies and he grabs me by the arm and said you got to look up I looked up and as I stand here I'm telling you the truth it was the craziest thing I've ever seen never seen it before never seen it since but I, I watched lines of oil form on the on the on the, the altar area ceiling and it would just run until it started dripping on people laying on the altars 
I reached over. It was oil. No smell. I wish I could tell you, oh, it was frankincense and myrrh. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I said, what was this building before? I said, it's never been anything but a church. I said, has this ever happened? He said, never. The next morning, there were no signs of runs of the oil and no signs of where they dripped. But everyone it touched was radically changed. You say, Pastor, I don't believe this stuff. When Pentecostal fire begins to burn, God's going to do what, because I'm going to tell you something about my God. He's never stopped being God. And the strange thing about the early church is every single one of them were Pentecostal churches. There were no Baptists, Lutheran, Methodist, Episcopalian, Nazarene, First Baptist, General Baptist, Southern Baptist, United Baptist, Holy Baptist, Center Baptist, none of that. They were all Pentecostal. And I'm going to tell you what's wrong with our nation. The church, the church has quit being the church. But God, I'm asking you one question, where are the Pentecostals? If you're willing to be or you are one, stand up right now. Where are the Pentecostals?